Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. After LSU started off the week with its first 2021 commitment, it's time to turn our attention to fall camp as the Tigers report on Thursday afternoon uh, to the team room where uh, LSU head coach Ed Ogeron will meet with the media before they hit the practice field on Friday for their first practice. So we'll have check-in covered on Go 24-7 at Ogeron's press conference, covered on Go 24-7, and as LSU hits the practice field, we'll have it all covered on Go 24-7. With me now to talk about LSU fall camp is Sonny Ship. Sonny, uh, it's finally here. It's time to talk real football, and, and I can't be more excited. Yeah, hard to believe that after after all this time and going going through the dog days of summer that – you finally have football here, and you got NFL, you got high school kicking up, and now you got the Tigers hitting the practice fields, and just a great time of the year. Yeah, and look, I mean, we're going to preview some of our storylines to watch in, in fall camp in this edition of the podcast. So uh, I do want to start probably on uh, the offensive side of the ball. I would think that's where I think most of the position battles are kind of raging on into fall camp here. I mean, from offensive line to running back, a little bit of tight end, what's the pecking order, wide receiver. But I think everybody is focusing on that offensive tackle, offensive line, really, for, for LSU. Kind of how does that shake out? Uh, the, the offense tackle spot is the most intriguing one for me, and that's the right side. LSU has Sadiq Charles returning at left tackle, but that right tackle spot is a bit of a question mark. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, and just touching on Charles real quickly, you know, looking, looking at some of the photos and some of the video that, that he's tweeted out from the summer workouts, he looks to be in absolutely phenomenal shape. Um, I'm, I'm very anxious to see what his playing weight's going to be this year because he looks, uh, he looks lean and, you know, he may not have that six, seven, that six, 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 seven prototypical, um, you know, height that you want to see on tackles, but man, I tell you what, he looks good. He looks good physically, but on the right side, you, you, you mentioned it right there. And, you know, I think it's a two horse race. I think it's a two horse race between Austin Deculus. Uh, you know, he took over last year when Bedari Traore, when, when, when he kind of faltered a little bit and he wasn't able to, to make that jump to the S to playing in the SEC as well as some people thought with him being the top-ranked JUCO offensive tackle, uh, you know, coming in. But I just don't – I don't really see Cam Wire and Dare Rosenthal quite being there to where they're going to push those two guys right there. You've got Deck Lister Jr. He, he won the job last year. He held on to it all year. Traore, he, you know, all, all reports say that he's really, you know, that, that – He's kind of come on more. He's picked things up better. He's picked up his technique better. He's improved his footwork, improved his agility. And I think that's probably, you know, that was probably the biggest gripe, uh, you know, last year was that, you know, he, he just had some problems protecting the edge and, and going against the, uh, the faster speed rushers. Yeah. And, and for me, I, I think, when you look at Traore and, and Deculus, I don't think either one screams overall that that's a big um, positive that, that either one is stepping into the lineup. And that's just kind of how it's been. I mean, you know, they, they have held their own at times, especially Deculus, but overall it's just kind of, it's not encouraging. I would love to see Cam Wire or Dare Rosenthal, Rosenthal stake a claim to that right tackle spot. I'm just not sure that, like you said, they're they're ready, and 
I think that is kind of what what's holding back this offensive line just a little bit from being because I think in the interior they are really really strong, especially if they somehow get Ed Ingram back. It doesn't seem like they will, but I think Chase and Hines really talented. Lloyd Cushenberry is very very good at center, and then Damian Lewis is strong at right guard. But they just haven't had that right side be solidified yet, and that's why they had to keep Foster Moreau in so much last year. Yeah, and they're not going to really have that option with him this year with as much as they want to flex uh, Stephon Sullivan out from it, from his quote-unquote tight end spot that is basically just another uh, wide receiver position. And, and looking at Warren Rosenthal, you know, I, just, I just think that they're probably a year away. I think at this time next year, now all of a sudden we'll be talking about, okay, can Austin Deculus hold off one of these guys? You know, if Sadiq Charles, uh, if Sadiq Charles returns for his senior year, and then you have two, you know, two returning starters in Charles and Deculus, well, then you say, okay, can one of these, uh, who would be sophomores at that time, can one of these guys make a move? Can one of these guys push them? And it, it, it's really weird that when we talk about the offensive line position that, it's actually, you know, it went from last year to where they had so many moving pieces, they had to go through so many different lineups. I mean, Donovan Campbell had to start against Ole Miss, and some people are probably wondering to themselves, is Donovan Campbell still on the team right now? And, and so, when when you, to go from where they were, where they were last year, and all those pieces to where now you're talking about, okay, you've got two redshirt freshmen who, by all accounts, are you know are going to be good offensive tackles but they're just not ready yet. It, it puts LSU's depth in a much better situation a year later. Yeah, and, and we'll have to monitor them. And, and who knows, maybe it's something that as fall camp rolls along and then you get into the season and they maybe do have to open up that right tackle spot again for, for other options to get their shot. Maybe they do say, okay, all right, you know what? We need a difference maker. We're going to take a shot here at Cam Wire. You know, maybe in the middle of that season against you know somebody you know not as strong that – Hey, we'll give him his opportunity to, to show he can he can do it. But uh, look, they've got to a solidify that spot. It can't just be a revolving door or a question mark. So they've got to get an answer there because they've got a group of running backs that if they get some push up front, they should be able to have a productive year with Clyde Edwards-Elair, uh, John Emery, the five-star running back, Ty uh, uh, Ty Davis-Price, Baton Rouge native and four-star running back in the in the mix, and then returning Leonard Fournette and Chris Curry and, and guys like that. They've got some talent there. Yeah, they've got some talent there, and I think that's one of them. I'm glad you mentioned that because shifting from the O-line to running backs, I think that's an area that you look at. You say, okay, we know, we know who the starter's going to be. We know the starter's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. After that, though, how are the carries going to be distributed? You know, with Chris Curry, he he didn't do much at all last year, but he looked a lot. He looked pretty good in the spring game, and and he had a good spring. We know John Emery and, and Ty Davis Price coming in with what they are capable of doing. Uh, Davis Price, the four star out of Southern Lab, Emery, the five star out of Destrehan. So how are those carries going to shake out after Clyde Edwards Hilaire? You know, I don't think any uh, either one of us thinks that Clyde is a uh, you know is a twenty is, is a 20, uh, 20 carry a game type of back. 
You know, I think in a perfect world, you want to give him 12 to 15 carries. You want to be able to, you know, you want to be able to get the ball in his hands on the outside and in the passing game, maybe, you know, maybe four times a game, maybe five times a game. And then you've got to try to figure out, okay, is it going to be Emory? You want to get the ball in Emory's hands, you know, and he's a guy that he's a guy that I know when we did our, uh, our weekly round table that, you know, I talked about, uh, as a, as a, as someone who could, who should get a look at returning kicks, you know, um, that's an area that Clyde's going to that Clyde did, had last year. He was the you know number five in the SEC, averaged twenty four and a half yards a, a kickoff return. But I think that's a way that you can get the ball in Emory's hands because when you have when you have guys like Emory and, and Davis Price, you know you have to find some ways to get them involved. Uh, you know I, I think I just think that when you look at true freshmen. That those two guys, that as the season goes on, the light's going to shine brighter and brighter for both of them. By the time you hit November and the back end of that of that schedule, they're basically going to be sophomores with all the playing time. I think they're going to get. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Tommy Robinson distributes that workload between those five guys. Yeah, no doubt. And and look, I mean they they need to be ready to go right away because they head to Texas week two, and I think for LSU to come away with a win at Texas, a strong running game would go a long way to making that work. And I'm not necessarily sure you can just do that with Clyde toting it 25 times a game. They've got to have the guys like Emory and Davis and, and others step up. And, and I think they can do it. I really do. I, I think especially Davis and, and Emory, I mean, they're they're super talented. Uh, Chris Curry kind of got a raw deal last year. It seemed like every time he touched the ball, there was a holding call. But I really do like what what Emory and Davis Price bring to this backfield in in 2019. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And you know, another you know, just like with running backs, you know, I think wide receivers another one of those areas that you look at and you say, okay, we know who our guys are. We know who our we know who our our, our top three are: Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Terrace Marshall. After that, though, you have a bunch of guys who are going to be fighting to get passes called, who are going to be fighting for reps, and 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 it's almost you. Know, I don't I don't want to use the word embarrassment of riches because I think that gets tossed around a lot, but when you look at the depth that LSU has at running back and you look at the depth that they have at wide receiver now, it's a complete 180 from where we were last year at this time. Last year at this time, we were wondering what Nick Brosette was going to give. We were wondering if he was it, what Clyde Edwards Hilaire was going to be able to give after he ran for 31 yards as a, uh, as a true freshman in 2017. You look at the wide receiver position, Nobody knew if Jamar Chase or Terrace Marshall, if they were going to really be able to step up. Was D. Anderson, Stephon Sullivan, Derek Dillon, who would have thought that Justin Jefferson was going to give you 54 catches for 875 yards last year? And now you go into this season saying, I mean, LSU's got a bona fide seven, eight wide receivers who, if you've got to plug one of them into the starting lineup you know, on any given Saturday, I think LSU would feel comfortable with that. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, I mean, when you couple all of that with the wide receivers they have back, this offense is is – returning a lot of talent, a lot of key pieces that can put together a, a much better showing and, and consistent showing than they had in 2018. I think part of that, and, and we discussed this before, but Joe Burrow not being able to run because of the health of Miles Brennan and only having one scholarship quarterback last, last year on the roster, they kind of had to be careful with them this year. They can go all out. They can do everything from implement uh, Joe Brady's you know, RPOs, they can run Burrow, they can run uh, the running backs, they can do whatever they want offensively now. 
Um, it's just a matter of if they will. And we'll have to see it uh, when they hit the field uh, August 31st against Georgia Southern, because I'm sure they're going to keep it uh, pretty, pretty uh, closed up uh, when, when the media is in there in, in practice, at least uh, in fall camp. Yeah, I you know, and I've and I've stated several times, and I, I still feel this way, is that I really think that if this offense if this offense stays healthy, you don't have any key injuries as far as like a Joe Burrow, a Justin Jefferson. You know, your your offensive line is able to stay relatively healthy, and you don't have to mix and match as much as you did last year. I think this offense is. I think this is offense is going to set several school records. You know, I, I've said that before, and I still feel that way two days before camp. Uh, it, it would be huge for LSU to get that. Uh, one thing we know, for the most part, that LSU is going to bring to the table is strong defensive football. We're going to preview the defensive side of the ball in fall camp when we come back after this quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Billy Embody here with Sonny Ship. Uh, taking a look now at the defensive side of the ball. Uh, look, when you look at this LSU defense from a national perspective, you see them losing two, I mean, what are realistically first-round draft picks, right? Devin White and Greedy Williams. I know Greedy slid down, but he's already having a strong camp with the, with the Browns. A lot of people just had him sliding for some unknown reason. They lose two key pieces. They replace Greedy with, with five-star corner Derek Stingley, who's going to start. But the big question is, is how big of a drop-off will it be at that middle linebacker spot? Because you've got to anticipate a little bit of that, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and Michael Divinity, who is, you know, he's – he stepped in, and he's going to be that. He's going to be that leader that Devin White was last year. He's going to be the guy, the quarterback of the defense. You know, the guy who is who's getting everybody lined up, who's making calls, who's making checks, and so forth. And you know, one thing we have to remember with Divinity is he played outside linebacker his first three years at LSU. You go back to his uh, high school career. He he played mostly outside linebacker until he played more uh, a little more. Um, of a traditional inside inside guy who also lined up outside and stuff. And so you don't have someone who has had a ton of action and had a ton of reps uh, of making his reads, of getting off blocks when the offensive linemen get to the second level and, and so forth. So I think there's going to take some time and, you know, but if one thing, if he, if he can, if he can do a good job of analyzing where the play is going and you know one thing I think of Devin White that 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 hurt him 
throughout his career was that, and I don't know if it was because he was so fast that he would just overrun the play, but he had a tendency to where he would overrun plays at certain times. You know, he, he would, he would fit, be in the wrong gap. He would be in the wrong spot. And he even commented on stuff like that. So I think that's going to be a key for divinity is being in the right, being in the right place to start with, because he's not going to have that speed, that makeup speed to be able to correct those false steps and to be able to, uh, you know, get around the trash as well as white was with that blazing speed that he had. So, but I'm excited. I, th- I think divinity, I think divinity is going to be fun. And man, when you look at that linebacker position, who would have thought that if you go back and you look a few years back, a few years ago, just a few years ago, LSU had more specialists on the special teams department on scholarship than linebackers. Now, entering this season, you have four linebackers on the Buckus Award watch list. How crazy is that? Oh, it's, it's, (laughs) I mean, I would love to have been a fly on the wall going back to what you mentioned, which is, you know, LSU having more specialists on the roster than the linebacker. In that meeting room with Ed Ogeron, where he sat down, he's, he's, he's taken over as, as head coach. And one of the first things that's probably talked about is, Hey, coach, um, we've got more kickers on the roster than we do inside linebackers. And they, They're lucky they that have... wasn't a deal breaker with Aranda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, coach, we want you to come back. Ah, uh, well, uh, I think it's time that I move on to a place that, that wants middle linebackers around. No, they've done a, a terrific job replenishing that position. It's shown with the talent on the field. They've got guys that... You know, Jacob Phillips, that's that's former five-star, Mr. Tennessee in football. They've got Jacoby Stevens, another Mr. Tennessee in football, who plays outside linebacker basically for this defense now. Uh, they've got Patrick Queen, who's, who's a great two-way athlete coming out of Louisiana. And then they've got Divinity, who's a former five-star prospect out there, um, you know, on, on some sites. And look, I think, and you and I talked about this a while ago with, with guys like Philip Webb and some of those recruits at linebacker. It's just about versatility with Dave Aranda, right? Yeah, he he wants to, and I think that's what we're going to see this year, is that he is he's at a he's at a point now to where he's had these guys he's had these guys in his system for three years now, to where he can line them up inside and he can line them up outside. You know, let's look at you know look at the I, I can remember during the summer when I did. Uh, I did a, a piece where I projected the depth chart midway through the summer and, you know, people thought I was crazy when I put Patrick queen and Jacob Phillips, like basically battling for the starting spot next to Michael divinity. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that's going to be one of the more intriguing, uh, decisions that Dave Aranda is going to have to make because how do you, how do you have Jacob Phillips and Patrick queen and one of them not on the field? You know, I mean, we know what Phillips did last year playing next to Devin White inside. And you have to think that that's going to that that's going to give Michael Divinity some comfort having someone next to him who played as much as he did. But then what do you do with Patrick Queen? Do you put Patrick Queen at the outside spot? Because the way that spring ended, Andre Anthony was considered your starting outside linebacker opposite of Caleb on chase on. You know, and I just keep going back to the fact that, you know, whether it's defensive line, whether it's offensive line, whether it's linebacker, you want to get your best players on the field. You want to get your best four linebackers on the field. So we know Michael Divinity's one. I think Jacob Phillips is one. I think Patrick Queen is one. And I think Caleb on Chason is one. 
And so looking at it like that, you know, on paper, what makes sense to me is you have Divinity and Phillips inside, you have Chase on outside, and then you have Queen outside, like he started the last three games of last season. And to me, that just makes the most sense. But the way that, you know, the way that some that you know, some sources have talked about, the way that Ed Orgeron is talking about, is that you may not see Queen and Phillips on the field together. Right. You know, as and crazy as that sounds. So that's that's gonna be interesting. I don't know how that's gonna work out. I, I'm with you 100%. I, I, I don't understand how it's going to look. I think, one, this defense is going to look, I think, totally different. And, and it starts with that versatility. But Ed Ogeron has talked about that, that, um, that you know, playing four man down. And so does, you know, I think Caleb on Chasson would be coming off as a, as a guy with his hand in the dirt as a defensive end. Then is it? It's obviously I think Divinity in the middle, and then it's Queen and Phillips flanking him. I mean, how does that work? You've got to get Jacoby Stevens on the field. Do they play almost like a four-four? I mean, but but against spread offenses, that doesn't seem to necessarily be like a, a style that would necessarily work. You'd have Delpit at safety. You'd have the two corners out on an island, and they're both very good and can do that. But and then you've got Todd Harris, who had Ogeron said is is starting at safety uh, today. He's you know on on Wednesday. Yeah, and Jacoby, you know Jacoby Stevens. You have to find a way to, you know, to get him on the field. I know he's the quarter safety when they, you know, when they go to, to their, uh, you know, to their schemes that, you know, that that implores more of a, um, you know, I guess more of a of a nickel look, uh, you know, in, in passing situations. But then what do you do in that sense, you know, because usually, usually what they would do is when they would go nickel is, and that's when they would go to their four man front. You know, and then that's when you would have Chase on either standing up or he could have his hand in the dirt. And, you know, so how do they it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. And it's really it's really good in a sense that they have so many options. Because now you've got a defense to where they know what Dave Aranda's system is, they know what his scheme is, they're comfortable playing in it, and he's got guys who give him scheme versatility you know he's got guys that he can put in certain in different spots lining up in different situations coming at an offense it's just going to be confusing as can be for the offense so I'm really you know he didn't uh LSU's defense they didn't have a great year statistically last year um you know as far as as far as where they ranked in, in scoring where they ranked in giving up yards and things like that you know more closer closer to the bottom of that top 25 than they had been uh previously under Aranda but i think this year, i think this year's defense with eight starters back with so many guys coming back who've had play in t- who played significant roles last year when they were healthy you know i, I think this defense is going to be every bit as good as as any unit that LSU has had under Aranda. Yeah, and it just makes total sense because I mean, it, I think up front you have to stay healthy, right? Rashard Lawrence had a healthy year last year. Braden Fajoko recovering from offseason surgery. So is so is Rashard Lawrence. If those guys are healthy, that sets the tone that these linebackers, these corners, these safeties can really focus on doing their jobs. They don't have to worry about the line and. If you get some of those depth guys, like I mentioned, Neil Farrell and Justin Thomas as two guys that have to step up in our roundtable, then, I mean, you're pretty salty at all three levels of the defense, right? Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got you've got some guy you've got some guys up front. Uh, You know, you have your big 
two big uh, freshmen. No, uh, I'm sorry, uh, sophomore nose tackle and Tyler Shelvin, true freshman and a Puika. You know what you? I think you know what you got from Glenn Logan, Braden Fahoka, and Rashard Lawrence. And Neil Farrell started coming along last year when he started getting more playing time. When uh, you know, when when Fahoko, when he was hurt with his elbow and stuff. And so I th- I think you know what you're going to get from those four guys right there. I think they're going to be able to get. I think they probably feel pretty comfortable with 25 to 30 reps from Shelvin and Ika each a game. Then when you factor in how much nickel they're going to be playing and stuff, I think they'll be fine there. Like you said, the key is can they stay healthy? You know, They have to stay healthy. And if they do stay healthy, we know it all starts up front with the defensive line. Last year they were seventh in the SEC in sacks. Uh, this year, Ed Orgeron has said that they are going to to be more attacking. They're going to let the defensive linemen just get out and play and try to wreak havoc more than they have before. And so – if they can get all of if they can put those pieces together and keep those pieces healthy, that's just going to make the linebackers that more dangerous. That's going to make that secondary that we know is loaded with Fulton, with Stingley, with Delpit, with Harris, Stevens, Eric Monroe. You can run the gamut of how much depth they have at safety. Is that it? But if they can get it all up front, keep those guys healthy, and that's where it all starts, and they get that production up front. You know, this defense can be just, uh, you know, I mean, salty might be an understatement. Yeah, great way to put it. Uh, I, look, I, I think we've covered it. I think LSU's in really, really good shape overall. Entering fall camp, I mean, healthy. Uh, Ed Ogeron uh, touched on a couple guys, you know, that, that you know, he's kind of watching. And, and Dante Starks might, may or may not be in camp. And Sonny Fanu is in. Uh, Avery Atkins now on scholarship. A couple tidbits from his time at the Rotary Club. Uh, we'll be watching Starks and kind of and Fanua and how they adjust or, or you know if they make it into camp. But I think we've covered it for the most part today, man. I, I think one thing that the staff has done entering camp is they took advantage of this early part of this week. Um, there was a couple studs you know on campus uh, the, the early part of this week with the with the dead period over. Yeah, and getting all those and, and and getting those guys on campus, you know, a lot of people were kind of uh, up in arms that LSU didn't have a big recruiting event over the weekend when Alabama, Auburn, Texas A and M, Florida, when all these schools, when you know they had these big big events that they had planned well, well, well in advance, and that they had kind of just you know geared towards getting these kids on campus with LSU's new facilities that they unveiled and things like that. But, you know, while they while they were kind of limited in not knowing when the facilities were going to be completed due to the construction and everything, you know, I think they I think they still got their bang for the buck in, in getting these guys on campus. I mean, you picked up a commitment from Jaquel and Roy. You didn't even have to get him on campus. You beat Alabama out, Texas A&M out for him. And then you, you're, you're still getting guys in for visits and stuff like that. You pick up your first... 2021 commitment that you alluded to earlier so um yeah i you know that they, they um they may not have made as big of a splash as, as as some had hoped as some would like them to make but i think for the splash that they were able to make being limited like they were they got they got a lot of bang for their buck yep you got it and you can catch all of the visitors on go 24 7 we guys have you covered very well on that front we'll be getting reactions from some of the guys on campus we already had the full coverage of landon watson landing at lsu the first 2021 commit sonny we talked a ton on this podcast i think it's just time for some ball to get going and um i think it's time for us to wrap it up 
Yeah, man. Yeah. And I know everybody else is waiting and stuff too and just chomping at the bit. And hey, we're going to have you, we're going to have you, all your photos, your video, your practice reports. We're going to have everything coming for you and stuff. So definitely make sure you stick around the site. And if you're, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering what the VIP access gets you, take advantage of that seven day free trial. Either get your first month for a buck, get your first year for 30% off. It comes out to basically 75 bucks. It's going to be well worth it. And you're going to truly, truly, I think, enjoy what, what, uh, what Billy and Shay Dixon and myself are going to bring you. 100%. Three practices this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be out there for all of them and meeting with players and Ed Ogeron. So keep it locked on Go 24-7. Thanks for listening to the Go 24-7 podcast. Leave us a rating subscribe and review. We appreciate it guys and have a great weekend.